Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we talk with Charles Nick, a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about three things, aviation, entrepreneurship, and coffee. He's the co-founder and founder of multiple businesses, but mainly spends his time as the president of Third Wave Water, which creates mineralization capsules for your water to have richer flavors uh, for your coffee. Third Wave has run a successful Kickstarter campaign, uh, appeared on Shark Tank where they got a deal with Barbara Corcoran, and has won numerous awards throughout coffee competitions all over the world. We focus on topics like how to be more creative and innovative, what the future of drinks like coffee, tea, and craft beer looks like and overall it was just a really interesting conversation uh, to, to speak with someone who comes from a technical and design background and to see how that skill set and how their thought process worked for them to launch this kind of uh, a business uh, so hope you guys enjoy and here it goes hey how's it going guys uh, welcome to the podcast today we have charles nick who is uh, the co-founder and president of Third Wave Water. He's also the founder and CEO of The Right Cup, and uh, he started a bunch of different businesses over you know, a fairly long career. Um, and he's actually has a really interesting uh, background as well, stemming from um, you know, the aviation and very like technical side of things, all the way now to um, you know, working at this coffee startup. So I'm gonna hand it over to you, Charles. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to this point with uh, Third Wave Water. Sure. Uh, background, uh, just jumped into aviation early in my career, kind of contracted doing a lot of uh, uh, just aviation work. So avionics and specifically, so you have kind of the sheet metal and the mechanics are kind of a separate division, but did that for about seven years, got into technical writing. Uh, so then instead of doing the maintenance itself, I was working on the manuals that the maintainers would use, then kind of kept working my way up the food chain and uh, kind of stumbled into reliability engineering, which uh, then gave me the the fun five years at NASA and Houston at Johnson Space awesome. Center. And then that was what kind of gave me some freedom once I got a contract to move back to Ohio, which is where I'm originally from. And once I was in Ohio, um, I'd be working in a lot of coffee shops and uh, I tried some business things before to kind of answer the second part of your question. Um, and I definitely think that uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, Jason Calacanis's where he's kind of he, he's like Steve Blank and saying, get out of the door and just just do it. You know, start doing certain business ideas if you want them and mm-hmm. fail and you'll learn a lot faster because you'll be forced to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh through the kind of failures and still keeping my day job, once I got into a contract uh, position where I could then kind of make my own schedule, that was what really opened the door for entrepreneurship because then I'm not stuck in, you know, this particular building on this one street for 40 hours a week. Uh, once you, if you have a flexible schedule, you are in a fantastic spot to be able to to really start any kind of entrepreneurship journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, that's huge being able to kind of control your own time and everything. It, uh, it really allows you to, you know, focus on the things that you really want to work on. And I want to kind of just go back into your, uh, you know, more technical experience. What was it about, 
um, aviation in particular, because I know that that's, you know, one of your main passions, that and coffee, that really attracted you. And, you know, what have you learned from uh, aviation that you kind of took to the entrepreneurship route and, and really uh, used when you started uh, this company and your other companies? Sure. Uh Aviation seems to be pretty well tested. I mean, there's a lot of red tape with it. So when you're building an airplane, you have all these different boring rules that are listed at every angle, uh, but they're there for a good reason. And, and in that, you get a lot of testing through engineering and analysis. And um, uh, loving aviation for me has been kind of since I was a kid. I'm, I'm, I moved to uh, the Dayton area uh, probably when I was eight. I think I was three years old and I moved to Ohio because I was born in Pasadena, California. Um, but being in Dayton kind of always resonated with me as aviation and cause you know, the uh, Wright brothers are from Dayton, Ohio. So it was always kind of broadcast to us as kids and all your classes and, you know, you learn your, your fun local, uh, uh tribalisms. And, and that was one of us for being a Daytonite of sorts. Um, <laughs> and so being in aviation, we always had one of the greatest air shows, um, uh, lots of fun stuff, right? Patterson air force base is here. So then you have the, uh, uh, just, you know, really cool stuff flying around all the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's always been kind of in the back of my mind, but being in aviation and then kind of taking that into entrepreneurship, I think it's on the testing side and kind of being, um, very specific with what's going on. If, you, if you've read the book, the lean startup, Eric Rees, he makes fun of the yep. point of how, you know, you, you watch movies like Ghostbusters and, you know, they start a business and then they get all excited. And then there's like this five minute montage of music and they're running around and that's really the boring <laughs> stuff that they're not going to, that they're not going to talk about. Um, but then all of a sudden they have this, you know, moving business and they're meeting with clients and everything's well. Um, so to me, it's, it's on the kind of analysis side, I guess, and mm -hmm. being forced to do, to be able to capture information, manipulate and, uh, be able to do a test, I guess. So in, in entrepreneurship from aviation, uh, the connection for me might be dotting your I's and crossing your T's. <laughs> so making sure you're, you're tracking everything. Uh, yeah. So kind of along those lines. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And in terms of, um, you know, you actually starting, you know, these multiple coffee businesses, the Red Cup and uh, Third Wave Water. Could you kind of talk about a brief like description of like what each one does and why coffee? You know, what was it about, you know, that particular drink that really attracted you and, and made you think that, you know, this is the kind of business that I want to go into? Sure. Um, the Right Cup was... Uh, which go figure back to the whole Dayton thing, W-R-I, you know, G-H-T, the right, spelled like the right brothers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we definitely gave him an, an homage uh, to, to the fountain, to those guys. Um, but uh, for me, working in coffee shops all the time and uh, consultants, they, they, you know, you bounce from shop to shop or you go to uh, uh, libraries or these different places like a WeWork, like, um, like you're sitting in today <laughs> and you're trying yeah. to find a lot a of coffee space. here. Yeah, exactly. And you, uh, being in the presence of like with baristas, I started kind of challenging them because I like craft beer. So with craft beer, I, I, I kind of discovered what I liked along those lines. And then I started applying it to coffee because I'm spending all this money every day in a coffee shop while I'm doing my, my contracting consulting work. And they started educating me and, you know, I'm asking them who cares about a light versus dark and a Hawaiian and the French press and blah, blah, blah. And 
little by little, they started kind of walking me through and letting me try different taste tests. And, and then for the first time I had a cup of coffee where I was like, Oh my goodness, this is not just something that I have to stand to absorb caffeine, but it's something I actually want to drink. And that kind of opened the door for specialty coffee and understanding more about uh, just brewing in general. So the processing and sourcing and, that's kind of the third wave of coffee, which is where we get the term uh, third wave water. We kind of stole that term from, from the industry. So the, in specialty coffee, they'll call it third wave coffee. Yeah, so, for sure. So oh, sorry, go ahead. Spain, no, you're fine. Uh, so then the right cup is it, it became a, a way to answer a question because uh, since I discovered great coffee, how could I help other people discover great coffee? And the initial idea that I thought was original and amazing was doing a coffee subscription service. And then pretty quickly I found out that it's not original at all, <laughs> but I still <laughs> spent some money in branding and, and made some partnerships and started trying it. And it, it didn't have uh, the growth that I wanted initially. And, and that's okay. I mean, when you, everything's learning and an experience as you're moving, but it was what definitely took uh, to the next step in conversation. So being able to kind of go on that journey helped me discover the water issue with my business partner, Taylor. So Taylor Miners, the business partner who owns, he used to own telemetry coffee in uh, Cedarville, Ohio. Um, and so he was one of the coffees that we brought on for the right cup as the subscription service. So the right cup is a coffee subscription service. Third wave water became uh, an answer to one of the issues that we were looking at or running into everywhere, which was, how do you have the right water to brew coffee? You know, I had mm -hmm. the right grinder, I had the right tools, I had this amazing coffee, but when I travel, the coffee flavors would change. And most of the time it'd be much worse than what I was used to or just different and odd. And I'm like, this is not the experience I want. <laughs> and uh, we wanted something to be able to be portable. So we didn't want to ship water initially. Um, and that's why we came up with the concentrate. So instead of shipping, you know, a gallon of water or something silly or even a liter, you're just sending a, a small packet because any place in, in America, you can, you know, go into a CVS, a Kroger, HEB or wherever and pick up a, a, a gallon of distilled water. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, your take on uh, that part of the coffee business is really interesting. Most companies obviously focus on, you know, things like the beans, the actual, you know, ca coffee itself. Um, and then you guys are actually, you know, focusing on a, on a deeper level, like the water itself, you know, making that water better. Um, I know there's a whole like scientific reason for why the water needs to be at a certain um, like chemical composition, right? As to like the ideal one for 100%. coffee brewing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we don't have to really get into that, but yeah, it is, you know, you guys kind of took the very technical route, figuring out what that was and then, you know, starting a business around it. Um, and now in terms of how you guys are selling this, is it mainly a consumer product? Do you mainly sell it to, to other businesses like coffee shops and, and office buildings? What does that look like for you guys right now? It's definitely a, a consumer business. So B2C for sure. Um, even going on Shark Tank, that was, you, you kind of have to be a B2C focused business to be on the show. Yeah. So we, we definitely, um, well, and at the same time, I mean, we have B2B accounts. So you have wholesale that you set up that then we want to be in specialty coffee locations. So places like mm -hmm. Intelligentsia, uh, Blue Bottle, La Colombe, some of these bigger coffee chains. Um, uh, La Colombe doesn't sell us yet. So if they are listening, hopefully they start. <laughs> uh, but uh, Intelligentsia and Blue Bottle, uh, our friends in Onyx, there's, there's all these amazing coffee shops around the country. 
and we want people to to find us and get a, uh, to know that we're there as opposed to a Kroger or something like that. So we don't want to necessarily be in uh, the the markets where even if you get mass distribution, they can cause other issues for businesses. Uh, but for us on the branding and recognition, the, the, that's home for us. Gotcha. And yeah, to, to go back to the, the Shark Tank point that you made. Um, yeah, so you guys were on Shark Tank in, in 2017. <laughs> you uh, you got in a deal with, with Lori, uh, oh no, sorry, with, with Barbara. Um, and it was, I think it was for 100,000. Can you kind of talk about, you know, how that went? Um, you know, what was it like? And then also moving forward, uh, you know, how did things go after you closed the deal? Sure. Uh, I mean, the show was fantastic. All the sharks were amazing. Uh, some people are like, well, was Kevin a jerk? You know, was, was this, uh, <laughs> did Mark give you a hard time? And, <laughs> and, and for us, honestly, no, like everybody was, uh, just really generous and just really kind. I think they, uh, they become a little more shark like when you try to BS them or you don't know your numbers on like really basic stuff that that's when mm -hmm. they really start to unveil or and especially here's a big one if you come to them and you say well you had some particular you know uh, advantage over me so therefore you know I poor me you know that they, they don't yeah. like the uh, poor me syndrome <laughs> very much but the deal with Barbara um, she was fantastic um, uh, it didn't end up going through 40% of the deals don't so yeah. it's kind of more typical and sometimes things change back and forth, but, uh, she gave us, a um, just, a a great chance for, for going through with it. Um, can't discuss uh, too much of the details, but just to say that, uh, she was fantastic through the whole process and we really appreciated working with her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely heard, you know, similar statistic where at the end of the day, it is a TV show. Um, so kind of, you know, how things work out at the end are, aren't always what they seem, but definitely great exposure. I know that alongside with uh, with your Kickstarter campaign really, um, you know, put you guys out there uh, essentially, you know, are, I, I don't know. So I'll be honest, I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I'm more of a tea guy. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't Ooh. know. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I don't know the the flavor. Just not something that really uh, stuck with me. I might have to try. I uh, tried with the the third wave water, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I know that there's some shops in New York that are fantastic, and I'm gonna look yeah. them up while you're. Uh, actually, Mob Coffee is one of them, but they're in. I think they're in New Jersey. Gotcha. So they're, they're right by you. Yeah. So in in terms of in terms of this actual space, I know that you know coffee in general is very crowded. But for what you guys are doing with with the actual water, like how what does that space look like? Are you know are there other you know major players, or are you guys really kind of doing something very new um, that that most people aren't aware of? We're definitely not doing something original. Uh, like uh, we we give credit to uh, Matt Perger is one of the guys that definitely led in Barista Hustle is his blog where they do a lot of different recipes and specialty coffees had this for a while. Mm -hmm. On our side, it was more of just kind of giving like a final, uh, we would say kind of quote unquote uh, optimum water profile. You know, there's no such thing as really a perfect water profile for coffee because um, you could technically change the water profile per the crop yield of, you know, per the roast. Like you could go that far if, if you really wanted to on the specialty side. But for us, we wanted to give people at home just something that would work, that would be easy to use, that you don't have to measure. It's already prepackaged. Just open it up. You can buy the water locally and be done with it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it all kind of goes back to uh, 
making it relatively easy for people and, and creating a, at least a standard, um, which, which is all, always like very important for something that can be as different as, as coffee. You know, everyone has different machines, everyone has different beans, uh, but if they're, you know, able to uh, get that water right, then, um, then you know, kind of it, it makes the entire thing a lot more uh, crisp and, and ideal. Um, and then to talk a little bit more about, you know, the investment that you guys have, have gotten, I know that, you know, the one with Shark Tank didn't, didn't work out, um, but you did raise, I think it was around $25,000 from your Kickstarter. Um, you you and your partner are, you know, seasoned entrepreneurs. Uh, have you raised any outside capital for this business or is it, you know, largely bootstrapped? It was all bootstrapped. Uh, okay. We've come to uh, a different, you know, a few points later where it's like, was this the point where we need to accelerate faster, better, quicker, et cetera? Um, probably later this year you'll see something uh, and that's because in April we're unveiling something it's kind of super secret but it's kind of a next big step for us in uh, the SCA uh, Expo event in Boston so oh, awesome yeah it's uh, April 13th 14th 15th I think cool it's coming um, up. yeah so it's the world's largest coffee event as I understand it and uh, we'll be sponsoring Roasters Village so all the roasters will be using uh, our water for brewing coffee and then Oh, that's great. We'll be in the market and we'll be on the expo floor. So it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, uh, so we won't, we won't talk about what's, what's so secret, um, <laughs> but you know, it looks like big things are coming. And yeah. in terms of, uh, the, the, the larger focus, your mission, um, you know, what, what is your goal for, for this business? Do you, and, and maybe it ties into another question after, um, you know, what's, what's your goal for this business? And then after coffee, do you envision yourself maybe working on something else, like using this kind of water, um, you know, chemistry that, that works so well for coffee and maybe applying it to other beverages? Uh, is, is that something that is would make sense? Like, does that apply to other drinks or um, and is that something you would ever uh, pursue? hundred uh, percent. I'll answer kind of the first part for the business growth. Um once you start getting traction in one sales channel, so a lot of people look at their website as, a, you know, it's the sales channel where people get to know you, you can control the message and the platform and the landing pages and how everybody finds you. Um, but then soon you find out, oh, I need to add other sales channels because everybody's not going to my website. So if people are on Facebook, you can use, you know, their shopping platform. If people are on Amazon, you've got to use that platform. So if, if someone's going to be looking for a product like yours, you start to, so adding sales channels where more likely customers are going to be is kind of a next big step for us to kind of finish where we should be. Um, so we're, we're setting up in Europe finally. Um, we're in Amazon, US, Canada, Mexico. Um, but getting on the international side, it takes a little bit longer and it's a little more pain in the butt. Um, but we're almost there. And, uh, so adding sales channels, fixing and growing our wholesale customers. So the, the, those people I was telling you about earlier, like the specialty cafes, uh, those are the people that we love and we want them to have the right tools. So it's really making sure that we've done our job to find them and communicate and, uh, help them see the benefits that help their customers. Cause if they sell a bag of coffee and their customer takes it home, they have a huge chance of ruining that experience. And we're just <laughs> another tool to help them uh, ensure that their customers have a better experience. And then there was a latter part of your question. And I just, I admit, I just dropped it. Oh, oh. yeah. No worries. Yeah. It was, so you guys are, uh, 
the product that you guys currently have essentially helps oh, standardize. Uses. Yeah. So water. other uses definitely, um, but for now, especially the this year and next year, maybe the following year, maybe in three years or year four or five, we might start to add in other uh, adjacent markets. Yeah. Depending on growth, uh, but for now, it's still kind of hammering that same niche because it's it's uh, we still see growth. We're not we're not at market saturation yet. Um, you go to the events, you know the people, but there's still so much outside of obviously those events. Like you're trying to get into those other um, sales channels and, and yeah. regions. Um, so like international is a big growth. Uh, we're going to China this uh, next month, actually. So we're okay. going to Beijing to speak at a, a Cherry Blossom coffee event. Um, we were super happy that they asked us to come in and speak. So we're going to actually be speakers talking to a China crowd and their Chinese crowd explaining uh, the importance of water for coffee and and they have a whole other uh, issue for them is is they can't drink their water so everybody drinks bottled water over there or they have RO or they boil it like boiled hot water yeah. is, kind of is, that, is that because of the, the pollution there or? just the infrastructure of the country is still catching up so much mm -hmm. like India if you visit there it, it as things grow and you have so many people the infrastructure is still trying to catch up and uh, because of that they just you know, you don't want to get sick, so don't drink the water. <laughs> yeah. So it, so part of it is an easy sell to, or an easy way idea to communicate with them for them to understand, you know, to get away from your normal kind of potable water for brewing coffee because they're not doing that anyways. But how do you give them that next step is, is what we want to help them understand. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it looks like, you know, there's a huge market opportunity. And when you really think about it, uh, you're not competing against any, you know, coffee, uh, coffee bean companies are competing you know you're essentially helping them you're being like you want to enjoy this coffee you you just bought some premium coffee now if you want to really enjoy it get the right wave water so that you know you don't ruin the experience and 100 percent. if yeah, you, you spent 15 dollars a bag or 12 dollars a bag of coffee it should be worth the five to ten cents a cup to have so to, yeah. to ensure that your experience isn't ruined <laughs> yeah it's a pretty logical sell <laughs> yeah and and then the other uh, industries just to kind of finish that your question was mm -hmm. uh, tea is definitely one where it works so there's a friend of ours who's a tea sommelier just like you have water sommeliers these people that specialize in tasting different waters um well in uh in coffee you would call them like q graders and in tea you'd be a tea sommelier so they can tell the differences and make sure you can profile co uh, coffee or tea or to be able to grade something so it has a, it's fair, you know, how do you price uh, the, the, the price of a coffee bean or a type of, of uh, a tea plant. Mm -hmm. So anyways, he, he gave us the big thumbs up and he's like, this profiles tea great and they're out of Romania. So in, in Europe, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of tea drinkers there as well. Yeah. Um, so it, we're, we're definitely going to take that one as a segment. That'll probably be sooner than say craft beer, hint, hint, because I, I definitely want to go into that one. But Craft beer has got like eight or 10 good profiles of water that they usually uh, try to put the water profile based on if it's a lager or uh, what part of the country it's coming from, or is it from Belgium? And they, they, there's some processes they have, and we still think we can do better than those current processes. Makes sense. Those are some of the adjacent markets that will eventually happen, just probably not for a couple of years. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I mean, especially with, with the name, it isn't really tied in, in with coffee at all. So it does you know, make it very easy for you to expand into other things. It would have been worse if uh, if it was something like, you know, caffeine related. Um, but yeah. 100%. And then 
Uh, I, know, I know you're talking about sales channels. I, I discovered uh, you got you and, and your company, Third Wave, through Instagram. Could you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what avenues are really working well um, since this is, you know, a, a D2C, uh, a B2C, um, or and actually direct-to-consumer also, um, a company. So, like, what channels are, are really uh, are you seeing the most sales from and how important um, – even in this, you know, online e-commerce world are things like trade shows uh, where you actually go and, and physically show and then sell your product. The trade shows are interesting. Um, I'll kind of answer that one before going into the, the B2C strategy. Trade shows are a great way for anyone, whatever your idea is, to really validate it. So when we launched Third Wave Water, it was launched in a trade show in Chicago oh, called wow. Bloom. And so when we set up our booth, you know, you've got these industry professionals that are coming by and throwing the red flag and trying to see if we're BSing everybody. Like, really, does this help water? Does it have these things in it? Does it have chlorides? Does it have? And we were able to answer the questions and then get the validation from them at first. So you're going straight to the, to the mouth of the beast of whatever industry you're in. And it's perfect because then you can get those answers faster and you can see who else is at those events. Like who is sponsoring the water? What did they do different? or similar to what you, to what we were doing. Um, and then we can even talk to them. Uh, so it, uh, I definitely say trade shows for any, or we'll say most ideas. It, it's a great idea to just invest the time because there's trade shows for everything you could think of about um, to go and dig in. Um, you know, you read stuff on Wiki, Wikipedia and you, you try to understand the, the culture, but until you're there, like seeing the crazy people walking around and yeah. the conversations, you're, you're still missing uh, the big picture of, of what that industry might be like. And you're going to learn a lot. So it's, it's a, it's a jump. It's a, it's a really good crash course for anybody trying to jump in industry on the B2C side. And what we think is, is, is working. Um, we do love uh, using Instagram uh, probably more than Facebook as far as communicating. Um, but I do admit we're kind of lacking there. So our, our biggest push right now has been kind of uh uh, we do a split between Google Bing and Facebook and Amazon on ads and trying to, to yeah. just let people know we exist and then make sure we have some particularly relevant post, um, but be a little silly too. For sure. And yeah, I'm looking at her Instagram right now. I think uh, it, yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's always a ton you can do with Instagram and just the most important thing is like consistency and just branding. And, you know, the latest photo that you guys posted, I think is actually really really good it's like super clean it looks like you have a bag of third wave on like the great wall of china right yeah Cause, cause, yeah yeah because that, so that, that one's doing really well uh, and that was an announcement for us going back next month so it was kind of yeah. like uh, hey by the way we're headed your way again <laughs> yeah yeah very cool um and then this is more of like a general question for you know uh the um food and drink like market what do you think moving forward because you you said you're uh you were like a beer guy you know you really like craft beer um and now you know we see the entire market move towards craft and really mm -hmm. high quality ingredients so we have you know teas like like stuff like matcha is becoming popular you know you know really high quality coffee um why do you think that is and then also like where do you see all of that going in in the drink uh market like how um like how much further can it kind of get? You know, do you think you're at we're at the point where like the stuff is as luxury as it will ever be for like the average consumer, or uh, where do you really see that um, kind of heading in the next few years? 
It's a good question. And I think that is a big part of the relevancy of specialty coffee and like tea going in that same direction. Uh, but becoming more mainstream, like specialty coffee has been around for a while, just like craft beer had been, but in order to, you know, kind of give it some, some legs to move forward even faster. Um, uh, once, once a culture starts getting used to something, they just continue to start finding it in other places. Like yeah. I, I don't drink wines, but I know that if I start to, I know I'm going to go into, I'm going to approach it so much differently than I would have like 10 years ago. If, if I do, you know, started trying to enjoy a wine or something, I'll, I'll, know, I'll try to notice the subtleties and differences of, uh, between a, a wine, between different wines. Um, but with beer, it catching on, I think that's another part of helping uh, all the other industries and in flavor. And just because things aren't getting worse here, I think they're getting better. Like as far as like, uh, we'll say infrastructure, health, wellness, whatever for the, for the society in general, like you can... Mm -hmm. Your, your taste isn't going to go backwards. Like you're going to have this amazing steak yeah. and you're going to say, man, that was too good. I never want to have one again. Like you're, you're going to go back to continuing to, you know, get the good flavors that you're finding. For me, the big thing with coffee and, and, and to challenge you to find some local coffee places in New York there, cause I know they exist that are amazing. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a million of them. Yeah. Is, is that the most people, the coffee that they've had in mainstream is what we would probably classify as burnt coffee. And it's fine, you know, there's a flavor for that that people enjoy. I just have never enjoyed that flavor. And that's that aftertaste, that kind of charred, burnt. People call it coffee and I'll say it's just burnt because I hate it. And I've always hated it. And then discovering like true, like a light roast that was roasted to the profile uh, of the coffee. And then actually having something like a berry uh, out of an Ethiopian Yirgacheff or a Kenyan or something, like having a berry flavor present, it doesn't seem possible. Yeah. But it's there because it is a berry. Just sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it'll taste good. <laughs> so so my, my question would be, I'm guessing that, you know, the, the burnt, and this is actually what I've heard, like the burnt coffee is the one that, you know, out of all these like famous, you know, chains and all that. Like, why is that? Is it cheaper to make burnt coffee or is that just what, you know, the mass appeal is? Like, what, what's the reason for them doing that instead of, you know, kind of uh, roasting them a different way? It could have been a little bit of a chicken and egg problem um, where, you know, if light roast had been the flavor of choice for main, you know, mainstream, maybe they would have figured out a way to on industry side to do it. Um, one of the ways they're able to kind of cheat a little bit and, and it's because they have a different uh, goal than specialty coffee. So like a big, um, we'll pick on Folgers, for example. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying their coffee's horrible, but what I'm saying or what I'll say is that, they have a goal of uniformity at a mass scale, like a huge, ridiculously giant scale in comparison to uh, one coffee shop that's doing, you know, a, a thousand pounds a month or something. Mm. And they're doing that like in an hour. Well, in order to get a flavor profile to all your customers, you can over roast to some extent a bunch of batches together. And then it kind of levels and evens out some of the flavor profile between the coffees. So then for them, they can buy, uh, because you can, if you drill down to the coffee plant itself, like to a, a very small patch of an area, um, like there's so many different types of coffee plants that they'll have different flavors. So in order to make so you have a uniform experience, if you overcook it just a touch, you can get rid of some of that, you know, the unique flavors and give it more uniformity. 
Got now, it. I, I could be misspeaking mis a little bit, but that's kind of how I understand uh, on the on the broad scale of, of why it's kind of advantageous for them to do that. Yeah. And that, I mean, as you were saying that actually reminded me of, I, I heard this story about, I think there was like a, a Starbucks in, I don't it was either Japan or China where I think like the executives were, you know, touring and then like the coffee was way better than like at, you know, all the other Starbucks. And they, I think, I mean, I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure they made them like, you know, uni like unify, make it uniform and make the coffee worse tasting. Um, but you know, stick to that Starbucks like brand and, and what people are familiar with. Um, so that actually is a really great point. And it is kind of weird how uh, to keep that standardization, they have to, in a way, make it actually, you know, taste worse. But I guess when you are running like a huge company and, and you have a brand image to keep up, you, you need to do that. Um, and yeah, as we, as we kind of, you know, are wrapping this up, um, the one question that I would have for you is, you know, you have this, you know, very, uh, very uh, technical and diversified background. You know, you aren't, uh, you didn't study coffee. You didn't really, this wasn't something that you learned. You were more <laughs> of like an aviation person. You did a lot of like engineering and technical writing work. And um, like you mentioned, you know, what you heard from Jason Calacanis, who is actually someone that I follow really closely and I'm a big fan of. Um, I just think he's, you know, pretty blunt guy and it's fun to listen. He's fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, He's yeah, the Mark so what, Cuban with the mic. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be cool seeing. <laughs> yeah, it would be cool to see uh see my uh Mark Cuban have a have a podcast and kind of just like say whatever. I mean, at this point he he, <laughs> he can so uh that'd be cool. But um, but yeah, what advice would you have for for people out there? Uh, you know, they might be more technical. They might be in like an engineering role, and uh they they do they want to do something entrepreneurial, but like you know they don't really they don't have a passion for one particular thing um, and they don't know that they want to start a company in that, in that field. What would you tell them um, to kind of get their mind thinking the way your mind was thinking to maybe find something and, you know, you might not be, they don't you, like, I didn't think from, from your story, I didn't think that you like were in love with coffee. You just saw something that you think you could improve. And eventually as you, you know, worked on it, you began to enjoy it more and more. Uh, so how could someone find that uh, for themselves and, um, you know, do kind of what you did? Yeah. Well, actually I, I will uh, mention, I, I actually did love coffee when I launched okay. <laughs> and it was because that, that was the, the passion that came from it was like, holy smokes, this stuff actually tastes good. I always yeah. thought it tasted bad again. You know, you had to put sugar and cream and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So you became it. kind of like an evangelist in a way and yeah. wanted other people to, uh, to see exactly. it. Exactly. So I, I wanted to be the megaphone in some way to help other people experience it. But the first steps, man, if you've got an idea, engineering um, or whatever, you know, the first thing I'll say is make sure you have a list. You know, write down your ideas. Uh, multiple entre entrepreneurs before me have said the same thing to me and it, it just works. Because you'll start to see uh, some of your ideas will get taken and you'll be like oh that was gone <laughs> and it's a good validation it's a good thing to see it kind of happen but like you're on on some thought process to see that this did have market potential starting so on the first i on the just ideation in general just keep writing your stuff down keep a journal somewhere even if it's just apple notes or whatever it is you use on your phone have one notebook that's only your ideas um the next would be read, like we talked about Lean Startup. Uh, if you're going to do a partnership, you need, I really think you need to read uh, Slicing the Pie by Mike Moyer. 
is a huge one where he goes into how do you keep it kind of fair and balanced for putting in equity co-share. Um, I don't think this is the only way to do it, but I think it brings up the right conversation. Mm -hmm. And either way, if you're going to do anything with a friend, like you're like, okay, I'm the idea guy, you're the business guy, you can do sales or whatever, however you divide it. Uh, Guy Kawasaki will kind of give you the three key people that you really want on your business team. And uh, you should have those agreements up front as soon as possible. You know, have fun, you know, have some beers, keep kind of, you know, brainstorming (laughs) the idea of the company. Maybe put a one page NDA between yourselves before you have a company formed. Um, but make sure you get an operating agreement and a company, just like if you make an LLC or something, as soon as you can put that in place, you'll save everybody's sanity. Cause I've seen it happen with uh, companies with me in the past, uh, some mistakes that I made and, uh, just different things where you'll, you'll damage relationships. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you've got a book list for your, for your people and your viewers to listen to and, and to check out. So just read as much as you can, research your competition. As soon as you think you have an original idea, you're going to turn around and find out it probably wasn't, and that's okay. (laughs) Just learn where they're failing and make yours better. Great. Yeah, great advice. So we we actually don't have a book list, but that is a really good idea, and I – I have been reading a ton of business books, so I will actually put that put that together and maybe just throw it up on the site and maybe just make an episode about it. So, see, you see that you got a lot of great ideas, and once you put them out there, uh, whether you write them down or just you know tell the other people, great things can happen. And you know, from some other people I follow, like James Altucher and others, like just writing stuff down. If if you have all these ideas in your head and you keep them there, you're gonna forget. It's never gonna go amount to anything, and um, no matter, you know, this is something I s- believe still, even though like I probably shouldn't, it's like, yeah, I have an idea and I'm like, yeah, I'll work on it later. If I don't write it down, nothing ever happens. Um, that's just the way it is. Like, that's the way the brain works. Um, so like you said, you know, always kind of just work and, um, you know, write things down and try to, you know, make it tangible. And then the other part about, um, you know, even if you're with your friends, making sure that all, the equity is divided and ND and like NDAs and forming partnerships, I know that, um, you know, it can be really awkward out there. Uh, if you're starting a business with your friend to bring up like, hey, we should maybe make this like a legal document and, and make this a real business before we start anything. It could be a weird conversation, but it is something that you should have as early as possible because later on, like it's way harder to, to split equity when there's actual stuff to be uh, to be split. So great yeah. advice. Um, and before we go, feel free to give everyone, um, you know, uh, the names of, you know, uh, if they want to check you guys out on Instagram, Facebook, wherever, and then the best personal place uh, to connect with you. Sure. Um, uh, it's definitely Instagram is the best place to find us. Third Wave Water. Uh, thirdwavewater.com is the actual website. Um, and honestly, that's that's about it. I mean, we're, we're on the we're on Pinterest and LinkedIn and Facebook and kind of the, you know, the Big Ten. But I would still just find us, reach out to us on uh, Instagram if you want to say hi. All right, great. There you have it, guys. Thank you so much, Charles. This was a really uh, fascinating conversation. Learned a ton about coffee, about water, about business. Um, So yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Even share it with your friends if you found the lessons valuable. We do the show every week, so stay tuned for more episodes. And till next time.